As I had the opportunity to spend time with various ones of you yesterday in the work here at the church and in the biking trip to follow, which were all special times and uh, um, um, times which left their imprint on various ones of us. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we talked about uh, what uh, my message for this morning would be because we are on the seventh commandment. But I want to inform you, since I mentioned that we would be on the Seventh Commandment today, that we won't be on the Seventh Commandment today. So just that forewarning. The Israelites and other ancient generations were blessed with traditions of storytelling. Now, by storytelling, oftentimes people assume that that means things that may or may not be true. I don't use that description storytelling in that specific sense but account telling because these things were completely true account then you can substitute that for storytelling if you wish anyhow they were blessed with the tradition of storytelling by which the fortunes of their history were recounted and passed through the generations for all to remember to recount and to consider at their leisure We know from Scripture that they had many magnificent accounts of God's mighty workings to consider and ponder, as well as various difficulties to think about as well. Think about the history of the Old Testament. It's replete, it's full of difficulties, which taught them and the surrounding peoples many lessons. In Scripture we have both. We have the wonderful victories, such as David stepping out, onto the hilltop, stooping to pick up five stones for his slingshot, walking forward to meet Goliath, answering the abuse of Goliath with an unflinching word from the Lord, then slinging a stone into the giant's charging head, bringing him to the ground with a mighty thud, there to finish him off with this stupendous sword that Goliath carried by cutting off his head. All of this, for those of you who have had siblings, All of this to the astonishment of the Israelites and particularly to the astonishment of David's oldest brothers. We have in Scripture also the terrible defeats, such as when the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years, until all of those who had started out of the age of 20 or over had died and been buried in the wilderness as a result of God's judgment on them. Numbers 14.29, the Lord says this to them. In this desert, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. We rarely have enough time to sit down and think, let alone consider the stories and the experiences of our own personal lives and those of our family members and friends. Yet these personal experiences are the testimonies that we have, that we must hold dear and that we must treasure to the faithfulness of God, the proof that his power and his might turn the hearts of his enemies to him with love and repentance, that he showers blessings upon his people as we walk in his ways, that he allows us to be tested, to refine and to perfect our faith, and test it for his own glory. And that he brings down unpleasantness and consequences of all sorts for the disobedience of us, his children, in order to turn us away from disobedience 
towards Him in obedience and love. But you and I must do as we are told in Scripture. And this is, of all weeks, a most appropriate week to remember that we are required to do this. We are required to remember the stories of our lives, of our families, of our friends' lives who have trusted in the Lord. Because these testimonies bring God's Word to life as they provide present-day evidence evidence of the Lord's continuing work in history in the present. For this reason, I encourage you to read biographies and autobiographies of great Christians. Biographies, for instance, of Hudson Taylor, a missionary, George Whitfield, an evangelist, Jonathan Edwards, Martin Luther, Stonewall Jackson, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Peter Marshall, Elizabeth Elliot, and Amy Carmichael, Ken Taylor, Augustine's Confessions, and other such classics of godly men and women, both old and new. So this past week I was looking at pictures. It's something that I have been um, having on my to-do list ever since we returned from Columbia in, uh, in April. On April 11th, I guess it was. And as I was looking over those pictures, it served as a reminder to me of what God has done in our lives over this last year. Several years ago, as Sandy and I were doing our daily reading together, I read two psalms. They jumped out at me and at us in such a way that it seemed they spoke directly to our own lives at that time, to our own personal situation. Now, that's not something that has happened to me frequently in that same way. Because I don't specialize in having verses of the year or life verses, because they all seem different people are different. That's not something that I'm much into. They all seem that they fit in specific ways at certain times and seem more or less to apply to me and my situation and our situation as a couple and a family. But these psalms did, because at that time, they detailed our situation. They seemed to provide a promise from God which I felt could possibly be his direct message to us. Yet we having read these passages and having gained this feeling, all know that feelings are things that can greatly mislead. And so we realized that we had to wait and see how they applied. So today as we begin this week, in which we celebrate Thanksgiving, I'd like to read those two psalms to you and recount to you some of the histories surrounding God's fulfillment of those psalms in our lives over the last several years. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn and read along as I read aloud Psalms 126 and 127. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. 
He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. Let us pray. Dear Father, as we look at your word this morning and I share examples of your faithfulness to Sandy and to me and our family, I ask, Lord, that you would work in our hearts to cause each one of us to be thinking of ways in which you have demonstrated your faithfulness to us. Ways in which you have given us blessed family members, ways in which you have restored difficult or troubled relationships, ways in which you have blessed opportunities for sharing Christ with others, ways in which you have protected us, ways in which you have blessed our work, the work of our hands, ways in which you have caused us to succeed where we thought success was impossible. Bring these things to our attention. Bring them to the forefront of our minds so that we would recall them and recount them, telling others, family members, friends, of the ways in which you have provided great and wonderful blessings and the way in which we give thanks to you for these blessings in our lives. Pray, Lord, that what I say might be faithful and true to you and to your word, because your word is holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I can't remember delivering a message like this before. It's sort of an unusual thing, so I ask you to to bear with me. Because what I'm going to do is recount a lot of history of Sandy's and my life together, and... um, specific ways in which we felt these passages were speaking to us at a particular time. Every one of us has been in these sorts of situations, and so I would encourage you, if this sparks some memories in you or some thoughts in you, to speak with me, because it would be wonderful to have others share ways in which God has provided blessings in your life, in your family, in your work, in various other ways. We knew before our marriage in 1983 that we would not be able to have children. And at that point in time, and at every point since then, this is just simply a fact you deal with. You just know it, and you say, okay, so these are the facts. What do you do with that? Well, you have various options, but for a Christian, really, the only thing you can do is to trust in God to work this out to his satisfaction, realizing that his satisfaction might not be your satisfaction. Over the years since 1983, we continued to look for ways to resolve this loss should the Lord Lord see fit to bless our human plans. 
For instance, several years ago, I talked with the regional director for Bethany Services, and the information I received was not very encouraging. Then in recent years, with all the bad news for adoptive parents here in the States, from children being taken back to open adoptions being the most common adoptions in which the birth parents know exactly who the adoptive parents are and choose them explicitly by, um, shall we say, resume and by name, the prospect of adopting children in this country seemed more and more unattractive. Sandy looked into foreign adoptions and all the agencies charged extremely prohibitive fees. The length of time necessary to begin and complete the work seemed also very lengthy. What it boiled down to is still the case today. If you have $25,000 or more, you can adopt an American child within a year. That wasn't an option. And then several years ago, my mother called us and started talking about longtime friends of our family who had been visiting her while they were on furlough from the mission field in Columbia, South America. They were here in the States for several months, and they have been very close friends of our families, in fact, have babysat me or my siblings or whoever way back when, back in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> so she called up and was talking about Lee and Lynn Henriksen, about the wonderful time they were having together. <clears throat> they talked about our desire to adopt children, and the Henriksons told her that she should tell us we shouldn't consider anything other than adopting through Columbia. Posto Columbia. Ever heard of the place? <laughs> the Hendersons said that they had helped various <clears throat> others achieve the same goal in a very short time span, that we should not go through an American agency because doing so would just result in a great cost of money when... Instead, what we could do was work directly with the National Adoption Agency in Colombia, which is called Bienestar Familiar, utilize the help of their lawyer friend in Pasto, whose name is Yamila. So Mother promptly passed that information on to us, and we began exploring it. The first thing we found ran into what we already knew something about. Because you have to have a home study for adoptions, you must find an agency or a social worker willing to complete it for you, and this can be very difficult. Again, you run into the time constraints and the cost constraints. All the agencies that we explored had months and months of waiting lists for doing home studies. You had to get on the list, and then maybe they would have time to do something for someone in Bristol, Virginia, sometime within the next year or two or whenever. And if we were not going through those agencies, then we would have a hard time getting them to do anything for us at all, at any cost. All of a sudden, we were in the, when we were in the midst of this circle, this loop that just didn't seem to have a way out of it, the door flew open. Because Bristol, Virginia Department of Social Services is one of the few departments of social services in the state of Virginia that does home studies for those who are willing to consider adopting wards of the state of Virginia. Free. <laughs> now, when you put those two things together, they do them, they do them free, and they will do them now. At that point, it was, they will do them now. You have a situation that is simply amazing and an unbelievable rarity. We decided that should, be, should children become available from the state of Virginia, 
we would certainly take them <coughs> as well. <laughs> as well, you notice that as well. So we marched down there. We talked with Kay Kovacs, a friend from some years back, and we got the process moving to a quick start. All of the details surrounding this adoption paperwork were time-consuming and tedious. Bienestar Familiar, of course, required a home study. What does a home study include? It includes physical and mental reports. It includes detailed background history. It includes financial reports. It includes a survey of your home, including a fire escape diagram. You get it? <laughs> wow! Let's know that somebody could get out of this home in the case of a fire. It includes statements of employment. It includes police reports with fingerprints. I think that in the last several years, Sandy and I have been fingerprinted more than anybody who hasn't been spending time in local jail. <laughs> Actually, they're probably fingerprinted less because they're fingerprinted when they go in and that's it. And then, on top of the home study, it includes applications in triplicate, quadruplicate, whatever. Birth certificates, which you must gain, of course, from your state. And so we got multiple copies. Marriage certificate, letters of credit from two banks, and one commercial agency. Find a commercial agency other than a bank that has credit on you. Pictures, three letters of reference from friends. Request stating what you want in children and how many. All of this had to be, of course, translated into Spanish. It had to be notarized and it had to be authenticated. Who knows what, what authentication means in the legal sense? It means you have to send it to the Colombian embassy that is closest to you. Oh, excuse me. You have to send it to the Colombian embassy that is closest to the uh, to the origin of the document that you have, which means if you were born in Pennsylvania, you can't send it along with your badge to Atlanta. I think we had to send that one to New York. That was my birth certificate. So you wind up sending all these documents to various and sundry places, and the Colombian embassy gets them, and they get your check, which is not a, a large amount. They get their big rubber stamp out, and they go boom, 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 on everything, front and back, they fold them together so that you can tell that the two documents, it just goes on and on and on. <coughs> and so, <coughs> that is as much as I can remember about this stage of the process. But let me say that there were various and sundry repetitions of all of this, and many long silences from Columbia, then inexplicable response cards and letters, what does this mean? Did they not just get what we just sent? And then we had to deal with our government in the form of the Immigration and Naturalization Service. <laughs> the Immigration and Naturalization Service does not deal with constituents. What that means is if you call the Immigration and Naturalization Service as a citizen, you will not talk with a person. If you wait till the end of the line where they say, hold on the line, and you will receive a caseworker. I have literally waited 45 minutes and a half an hour on two different occasions and never talked with a person. You have to go through your representative. In order to be authorized to leave the country without children and return with children, you have to have a duly authorized orphan petition. 
Otherwise, there is no way to get back into the country with an adopted child. Based on a timetable given to us by Lee and Lynn Henriksen, which they were getting from Yamila, their lawyer friend, who was in turn getting it from people in the Bogota central office of Bienestar Familiar, we had an orphan petition authorized and certified for each of the three years waiting to go down to Colombia to pick up a child. When we finally went, should we have remained two weeks longer than we did, our orphan petition, our most recent orphan petition, would have expired. <laughs> but when we went down there, I had all the materials ready to start up a new one because you can't just refile. You have to start the process all over again. And I thought, well, heavens, we won't ever be down there for two months. <laughs> In Psalm 126, <clears throat> the psalmist affirms from experience that those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. We had sowed much work in the process of this journey. We had not reaped much. No sheaves very often dead stalks as we got many letters and calls back telling us that we had not satisfied the requirements from Immigration and Naturalization Service from Bienestar Familiar. We had also, of course, sown in tears for our desire for children. Was this promise one that would bear fruit in our lives through this process? We wonder. You don't know until you've reached the other end. In the midst of all this, Lee and Lynn came and went from Pasto. Every time we talked with them, reports indicated we were within only a few short months of being called to come to Columbia. And then as we learned, oh, we expect it will be within two months or three months. They oftentimes would add to that the news, but we won't be here. <laughs> so we're thinking of going to a city of 500,000 people where we understand at least a modicum of the language, certainly do not speak it, know no one, and are expecting to go through the legalese of getting two children. That was a frightening thought. It's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. But they said they had other friends with Wycliffe and Pasto, and we would get along if we came when they were not there. We'd been through enough of the process to know that that was not quite going to be true. The night I read these psalms, the first verses of Psalm 127 jumped out at us. The, they are verses that are familiar to many believers and used quite frequently. And they fit our situation to a T. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. As we wondered and fretted and grew, inured and dulled to waiting and wondering and knowing really nothing, but confusing, contradictory message as everything we heard from Yamile and Pasto contradicted the official news that we got from Bogota, we had to remind ourselves of this simple fact. Restating the message of Psalm 127.1, the Lord is saying that unless he intends to bless the enterprise, whatever it is, it will come up dry and it will come up empty. <clears throat> Should he intend it to happen, it does not matter what happens along the way. How things go, it will come about. This is a fact that we all knew about and are aware of. Whether we in the process as individuals 
of wanting to get married, wanting children, looking for work, hoping for a girlfriend or boyfriend, hoping to deal, to do well in school, wanting advancement at work or success in our labors, looking for blessing upon the raising of our children and upon our marriages. This is a fact that we know well. We have to remind ourselves that these, that this fact, this word from the Lord applies to our situations. We must be reminded of it so that it inspires and informs every one of our enterprises. But this is not the end of those verses which tell us we should not fret if we have placed God in charge of our building projects. He goes on to say, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. The encouragement to us at, this time from the, at that time from this verse was immense. It reminded us that fretting and fuming were fruitless. Extra labor on the project of seeking adoption would also be fruitless unless the Lord was behind our work. It did not matter what we did. It would come to nothing unless he blessed it. For encouragement, all we needed was to realize that peace and sleep were the gifts that he gave to those who sought him and his blessing upon their projects. We needed to trust and not worry. The interesting thing in these chapters is they join together, and particularly in Psalm 127, is that the verse winds up talking about those seeking children and how God will bless this desire. Verse 3, Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. We're at the other end of the process. God chose to bless us with children. This is a blessing that he oftentimes withholds from people. And we rejoice because for some reason he saw fit to say, I will give this to you. So we placed our arms around these chapters as our encouragement and we moved along until our house started to fill up in May 94 with the arrival of Cassie and Sarah from the state of Virginia. From then on, as you can imagine and know, there was not much time to think. Given the various challenges of 1994 for us, last November we received a card from Bogota telling us that we were indeed accepted. We had officially made it onto the slate. We would be receiving one child, a boy, from Medellin, Colombia. <laughs> Are you... Various ones of you remember when we received that card. Great news, Medellin is not a hot tourist spot. <laughs> and furthermore, Medellin would be like pasta without the Henriksons even more so. <clears throat> so thanks to help from Pablo, who was an exchange student from Spain with, staying with the Ogenans, we called up Bogota and called them various times and told them, please, anything but not Medellin. We want pasto. They told us if we were changing the request, it could delay the whole thing. We said, delay? What's delay? <laughs> <clears throat> then in January, Lee and Lynn told us again, you're going to be coming down. But this time they told us to get tickets for the end of February to come to Pasto and we did as we were told you can imagine at this point in time we said we're glad tickets are refundable <laughs> <coughs> at the end of February we were told that the Pasto district head of Benibianistar Familiar had personally chosen two babies for us 
a boy and a girl, they were afraid to tell us their ages. Because we had requested an infant and a one to two year old. You know, if you have them spaced out at that, I think nine months is the time period that's designed for you to <laughs> get adjusted. They told us that they were one month apart and three months old. Wow. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you one thing. Back then it was, oh great, we never expected we'd get children this young. But now it's, if they told me that, and I go, <laughs> we couldn't believe it. <clears throat> we went and we received Francis and David. As you know, God had us wait some more. This time through a 5.7 earthquake, 1,300 aftershocks within a week, waiting upon the approval of a judge who does not like North Americans and made that very clear, who almost caused our lawyer to tell us on the last day when we finally received official approval after five weeks that we needed to leave without the children and come home. Worrying through the red tape and expense of overstaying our visas, <laughs> um, the FBI in Colombia is called, what's their, what are their, what's their acronym? DAS, D-A-S. We have been there, we have dealt with them. <laughs> they are the ones who handle uh, those um, recreants or miscreants who overstay their visas. <laughs> <coughs> Trying to leave Colombia during the most traveled week of the whole year. <clears throat> Trying to adjust to the high altitude and smog of Pasto and Bogota. We had innumerable interesting experiences and worrisome experience in sleepless nights. You would be amazed at what it does to you to have two infants adjusting to a completely new home and new food, waking up every other hour because when there are two of them, they can do that, you know. <laughs> in the middle of the night when you are already starved for sleep because of oxygen deprivation at 8,500 feet of altitude. There are many other aspects of the trip and of our return with Francis and David. God's watching out over Cassie and Sarah in our absence and our having a kind church in which the elders and the people took care of things in our absence and Sandy, in the kindness of Dr. Armstrong, her employer, understanding <clears throat> all of these things are too numerous to tell. But today, we give thanks. Our home has the air of joy in it. We sowed in tears we reaped with songs of joy. We went out weeping, carrying seed to sow as we sought to make the adoption process work if God would have it work. And we returned with songs of joy, carrying sheaves. And let me tell you, <laughs> being burdened with two infants, seven suitcases in a foreign airport such as that of Bogota where you were frightened at every moment of having everything you have stolen, let alone coming to the States and getting through airports here with that baggage, those sheaves, is certainly carrying sheaves. <laughs> Indeed, as verse 2 says, our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And through this experience, we proclaim what we want others to know and remember about this experience of ours, which is not yet finished. In verse 2, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has indeed done great things for us. I know he has done great things for you as well. <clears throat> The reason I tell this story, this account, 
And so that you will realize that this last year has been a year of great blessing for us, the Bailey family. So that you will think in your heart and focus on those ways in which God has blessed you as individuals and families over the last year and years. Because I realize for me, it's too easy to say, Ah, this went wrong and that went wrong. I wish this would get straightened out and that would get straightened out. These things could do a lot better. What God is requiring of us, his people, is the same thing for which he punished the Israelites by making them stay 40 years in the desert. He said to them, as a result of this, I am punishing you. Why? Because you grumbled. God wants us to be a thankful people. A people who celebrate with joy and tell others the reasons that we have to be joyful. This is what Thanksgiving is all about, remembering and praising God for his many blessings. I conclude with a post-log about the Lord's timing. We got done on April 11th. In two weeks, the Henriksons had come back to the States. They were here for several months. Lee was back there for two or three months. As of this past month, they moved from Pasto, their home of 12 years, to Ecuador. <laughs> In Ecuador, you cannot help someone go through the Colombian Adoption Agency. Within a week of when we left, our lawyer was gone from Pasto. She moved to Cali. So, <clears throat> without those people, without those connections, without a lawyer, without housing, without transportation, without friends, without translators, we would have been, after that point in time, without children. So, I encourage you, think of God's blessings and share them with others. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are eternally grateful to you for your blessings upon our lives. I ask for each one of your people here today that they would think of your blessings, that they would thank you for your blessings, that they would share your blessings, remember them, recount them in their families and with their friends so that you would receive the glory for all of your good gifts because you were a great, mighty, and gracious God. In Jesus' name, amen.